Hi, my name is Grace Wasson. I am a lawyer, the founder of Vijana Tupo Initiative, and the host of this podcast, Vijana Tupo Talks. This podcast is the fruit of a partnership between Vijana Tupo Initiative and the United Nations Sustainable Development Solutions Network, Kenya. In this season, we focus on the roadmap to 2030. We strongly believe that the stories of young, impactful SDG champions will provide a platform of influence, inspiration, and ignite a learning agility within us as we seek to achieve the Agenda 2030. Welcome to today's show. My guest today is an incredible young lady who I will let um, her introduce herself. Tell us a lot about yourself. We want to know who you are, who is Nima. She really is an incredible lady and she's coming to talk to us about her work even as we seek to achieve the Agenda 2030 through the conversations that we keep pushing each and every day. So without further ado, I want to welcome Nima. Nima, please tell us who you are, introduce yourself to uh, the audience and to Vijana Tupo Talks. Um, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. My name is Nima Nzani Zani, and I'm from Kwale County. I'm the founder of the Hijabi Mentorship Program. Uh, the Hijabi Mentorship Program is a community-based organization that champions for development in underserved communities um, with a specific focus on gender equality. So we tackle a variety of issues, starting with sexual reproductive health and rights, uh, gender-based violence, peace and conflict resolution, and economic empowerment. Our program is specifically targeting young people and women with a specific focus on girls and women, because uh, again, gender equality. Um, so for the moment, we are located in Kwale County. Our offices are in Kwale and our work is relatively in Kwale. Um, yeah, so basically that's about it in regards to my organization and what I do. I'm also a communication officer for an international organization and uh, I'm the communication and I'm a county coordinator with the UN Youth Association representing Kwale County. So what I do mostly in my in my work, um, I coordinate communication and advocacy to create a transformative social change. And I'm really happy to be here with all of you. Thank you, Vijana Tupo Initiative for having me. It is really, really an honor and a pleasure to have you on the podcast today and just even hearing what you do, what you keep doing and what you've been doing for the longest time. You, you will tell us about, about sorry, Hijabi Mentorship Program and when it started later on. But it really is a pleasure to have you on the show today. You're very welcome to share with us. Now, you've talked about your um, work with Hijabi Mentorship Program. And when I looked at this organization and when, when, when I was first encountering the work that you do, the word hijabi really stood out and I would want to know about this program. You've said it's an initiative that is aimed at creating a transformative social change through the power of communication and innovation. Tell us more about um, hijabi mentorship program and what really is the story behind this incredible work that you're doing? 
Okay, thank you so much. I love that you brought up the issue of the word hijabi. Uh, so many yeah. get intrigued. Uh, why are you calling your organization hijabi? And you know what uh, inspired you to choose that particular name? Uh, so first of all, allow me to clarify and clear this out. Uh, hijabi in this uh, organization does not stand for anything to do with Islam. We are using it specifically to mean protection. Um, to mean, you know, a cover, protection, and protection for women. So a lot of people, when they hear the word hijabi, they just assume that um, our work is uh, specifically focusing on Muslim women, but not really. We work with different cultures, different religion, different beliefs, different values. We do not discriminate anyone, and our work is not relatively on uh, Muslim women. But of course, coming from Kuala County, Kuala County is uh, dominantly Muslim, then uh, of course, um, our target audience are likely to be uh, Muslim women, but we work with all different types of women and young people. Um, so the word hijabi, as I said, it means protection and it's supposed to serve as a shield for women in underserved communities, women um, coming from marginalized um, communities and women who uh, deserve our protection because I recognize the need in my society. I recognize the need in my community. Um, coming from a very marginalized community, I grew up in the village, but I had the privilege of coming from a family that was educated and a family that was supportive of my education. But unfortunately, for most of the young girls that I grew up with, they did, they did not have the same privilege that I had. So growing up, I got to see how uh, different girls who I grew up with, how, how much their life changed, um, not positively, but in a negative way, how some of them ended up married off at a very tender age. Some of them died at childbirth in abusive marriages, abusive relationships that they could not come out of because of poverty in their households. So, you know, and some of them had to stay in these abusive marriages simply because of the culture and the taboo surrounding gender-based violence and the discussions surrounding violence against women in such a conservative community. So growing up, I got to see all this and I grew up being taught and being reminded every single day that what you don't like, you need to change. And you cannot expect change to come from outside. Change has to start with you. So I told myself, I'm not going to rely on um, outside forces to come into my own community to bring solutions when I, I, myself, and other young people are very much capable of doing the same. And for me, I always believe that it's my first responsibility. Uh, it's my responsibility. I have the first responsibility towards myself and those around me. And... Um, I went ahead and you know spoke to a few of my friends and we sat down and I told them and you know expressed to them why this was important to me and uh, asked them to join me in this that was back in 2018 I was still in campus by then and I had zero uh, knowledge on administration or how to run an organization as a communication student because I did uh, journalism and I majored in a uh, public relations and marketing. I first did my major in broadcast journalism and then I did public relations and marketing. So I really had absolutely no clue about organization development or organization administration. But 
I was very passionate about this and I told myself I'm going to, you know, uh, make it a point to learn and grow and attain all the skills and knowledge that I need to be able to come up with this organization that is going to create the impact in my community, the impact that I so much desired. And I, that's exactly how it started in, uh, um, in 2018. And eventually we transitioned and grew bigger and bigger to an organization. And that is where we are right now. So our main focuses are sexual reproductive health and rights, sexual reproductive health and rights, because one, uh, sex education is considered a taboo in my community. Like we rarely talk about such conversations so openly because, you know, most people prefer to have this conversation when you're about to get married. But then when you really study our history and our culture, you're going to see that even in the olden days, they used to have sex education. Um, it just wasn't referred to as sex education. And sex education has this, you know, very bad, most people see, hear the word and they immediately have this horrible perspective. They forget that there's so much information in sex education. We're talking about menstrual hygiene. We're talking about sexual health. We're talking about, you know, a puberty, development, reproductive system, different issues. But most people, when they hear about sex education, they just think about safe sex. And, you know, so they have this mentality that maybe we're coming to the community to teach young people how to have sex or how to have safe sex. But that's that's absolutely not the case because we feel like there's so much information when it comes to sexual health and that young people, especially women, need to be able to understand their rights so that we can protect them from human rights violation. Um, so that's why sexual reproductive health and rights is one of our core areas. It's actually our one of our core programs. Our second program is gender-based violence. And um, this is because um, we realize that our culture in one way or another has kind of made it easier for gender-based violence to happen in the community because um, women are not allowed to speak up, women are not allowed to share the things that are happening in their marriages because you know it's considered a taboo and you'll come to realize that most parents prefer their children to stay in horrible marriage than to come back home um, and deal with the stigmatization of divorce um, so even for us we had this campaign that said a divorced daughter is much better than a dead daughter because we came to realize that most young girls were enduring and trying to you know tolerate um um, um, abuse in their homes because they were afraid of going back uh, to their houses and we even see a lot of issues of uh, defilement or rape um, happening in the communities and sometimes they do not acquire the justice that they deserve because maybe um, the victims are not aware of their rights they're not aware of the processes that are involved so that's why we have a program on gender-based violence that is aimed at strengthening the mechanisms of justice surrounding GBV and to also protect the victims and survivors of GBV, the different forms of violence. We also have a program on peace and conflict resolution. And this is because um, we have a, well, peace and conflict resolution, but mostly in relation to women being our target because we believe that women can actually play a role in peace processes and that women should be involved in peace building but in uh, most communities you'll come to realize that uh, we conversations surrounding peace are mostly dominated by men it's a sphere dominated by men and most of the time uh, women are not involved because people will say um, it's the man's responsibility to 
um, bring safety into the community, but we believe that it's everyone's responsibility to bring peace and safety in the community. So we have a program that specifically is trying to um, increase women participation in peace building and peace processes in our communities. And our last program is economic empowerment because we believe that most of the issues uh, that are happening or some of the uh, social economic uh, inequalities that are happening in our society is because of the high rate of poverty in our in our communities uh, where are women um, putting up with uh, abusive relationships or marriages some because you know they don't have the income to take care of themselves once they go back home so they prefer to stay in an abusive marriage because it's easier and because it's more convenient for them um, some girls are being forced to sleep with border border or you know uh, sugar daddies so that they can have they can have the money to take care of their sexual health so that they can have money to buy pads so that they can have money to uh, you know uh, get uniforms or buy books for themselves um, so even this you can see how poverty plays a very big role um, in leading to all the issues and the inequalities that are happening in our society so we have a specific program on economic empowerment that is aimed to serve as a solution to all the problems that we are currently going through uh, so we've been um, uh, working for I'd say almost three years now because um, we started in June 2018 um, and it's been an amazing growth it's been an amazing journey and we're happy to be where we are right now I hope that responds to your question oh it does it really does and I, I love how passionately you talk about your work um, there's a lot of passion and there's a lot of strength and courage because even as you said, some of these things are taboos in your community and yet you are rising as a young woman to challenge and to break these taboos and, and to make sure that women are upheld and women are respected as they should be. Now, you mentioned that um, you didn't have any background in running an organization, any administrative or managerial background. And I must imagine, I, I can't imagine how that journey was, but really I, I, I want you to share, how has it been? How has that journey been for you and, and what challenges have you faced? Along the way, did you seek mentorship? Along the way, did you add things to yourself or did you, did you upskill yourself or what, or did you just learn, learn along the way to, um, to, to the path that you have created right now? So what challenges, how has that journey been? Um, thank you. Uh, the journey has been quite interesting, actually. Um, so, but I've been very, I was very intentional about acquiring the knowledge and skills that I needed to run my organization. For me, I believe that the first step is to be intentional about something. If you really want something, then go for it. So what I did is I applied in several leadership programs. I think I've reached a point where I'm no longer applying for any leadership programs because I applied for so many leadership programs and each time I did, I was lucky enough to get in. So for example, I was um, uh, selected for the Mandela Washington uh, Fellowship Program in 2019 and I went to the United States um, to acquire skills on civic engagement, leadership in civic engagement at Indiana University. I was also part of uh, the Yali um, 
RLC, the East African Regional Leadership, and I had um, I was part of the cohort for public management, leadership in public management. I was part of Acumen 2020, and I learned also more about leadership in uh, uh, civic engagement and how to transform um, and reduce poverty in our society. I was also part of political leadership and governance program, PLGP by FAS, um, where I acquired more skills. I mean, it sounds more, it sounds political, but it was more about leadership development. So I've been in several, I've been with NDI, I've been with K KLL, I've been, um, as sometimes I even forget, I've been with Femnet, I've been uh, uh, so uh, several leadership programs that I that I was very intentional about. So basically, my 2019 and 2020 was more about how I can acquire more skills to become better. So even after I graduated uh, in 2019, because that's when I graduated, um, I was uh, I, I I took a break from everything else and just focused on leadership programs and the growth of my organization, and uh, it hasn't been easy to be honest, because, you know, um, the several challenges that you're going to incur along the way. But one thing that there is one particular program that I was in, I wouldn't call it a program. Um, I was part of the Miss President um, uh, show in 2019 that was being added uh, on KTN uh, by Media Focus Africa. And along that program, I met several women in different leadership pro uh, positions in this country doing amazing work in their communities. But one lesson that I learned from them was that you always have to start small. Like, you know, success is not going to be served to you on a silver platter. I mean, it happens for some people, but for the most of us, we have to toil and toil and toil to get it. So I learned from that particular period how I need to invest in myself if I want to grow to become the leader that I believe I can be, then I have to, uh, then I have to uh, gain as much knowledge um, as I can so I can become more objective in my work and you know most of the time we usually feel like oh wait I deserve to be respected um, I deserve to be seen in the community but sometimes as a young female leader what you need to understand is that your respect is earned it's not given you have to earn it in your community so I remember when I started I would face a lot of criticism um, and even some cyberbullying of, you know, people telling me, oh, you can't do this. No, seriously, you should just stick to journalism, uh, find a TV station that, you know, you can you can be a pretty face and just you, you just will serve better as a pretty face, but leave these uh, issues of leadership to, you know, men or to other strong. I don't know what they used to mean, but when they'd say strong, but I guess it's because I'm so tiny and petite, or they'd be like, leave it to other strong women. But I always told myself, you know what? I believe I can do this. And uh, even when they will try to bring me down and criticize me and intimidate me, because, you know, as a young female leader, you're always going to be perceived as uninformed, inexperienced, um, you know, uh, you don't have the power, you don't have the strength to go through it. But for me, I didn't see that as a challenge. I saw it as a source of inspiration to do better. And I took that as my motivation to become the person that I am today. Um, I hope that responds to your question. It does, it really does. And, and really somebody once said that all you need is passion and your passion is, is clearly heard through the way you're talking and even through um, 
how you intentionally took steps to upskill yourself. I mean, I've been counting those leadership programs and I lost count and I'm sure there are other leadership programs that you have enrolled in. And that means that you really were intentional in growing the hijabi mentorship program and you're really doing great work. Now, let's talk about the several SDGs that you've been working on. I mean, you're touching on quality education because you, you are teaching women in, uh, from different uh, spheres of life and you're teaching them how to do this and how to do that. You are touching on SDG 8, which is about economic empowerment. You are touching SDG 5, you're touching so many SDGs, but one challenging SDG that um, I, I believe it's a bit challenging is gender equality. And I could say it's a bit challenging because one, you've talked that you've talked about the, the, the taboo that is in your community about women. Women are not allowed to speak. Women are not allowed to do this. Women are not allowed to hold leadership positions. How important is it for you to achieve gender equality? And um, how has that journey been as well? What challenges have you faced in focusing on women? Okay. Um, wow. So, you know, even for me, I think on my social media platform, I have hashtag SDG5, <laughs> gender equality somewhere on my profile. It's always there. Um, that's how passionate I am about SDG5 and very intentional about acquiring it. And uh, yes, yeah, so remember, I come from a very conservative community. First of all, I'm young. I'm a woman. Um, uh, I'm a Muslim and I'm not even married yet. So here I am in a conservative community that even the discussion on gender equality is considered to be, I don't know, they make it seem like a taboo because uh, for, for most people, I've come to realize for most people in power, they'd see that as a threat to where they are, to the comfort that they feel. And, you know, a consideration of a woman, just the idea of a woman taking charge um, is considered as such a horrible, you know, a horrible thing to happen in our tradition. And uh, uh, for me being young and a Muslim and, uh, uh, you know, coming from the same conservative community and speaking out about these issues, then of course the first thing uh, someone is likely to think is that I'm a traitor. Remember in our Swahili community, we usually say Mwachamila, Nimtumwa whoever abandons their culture is a slave. So for some people, they'd perceive that, uh, you know, uh, perceive what we do as a threat to our traditional ideologies and our deep historical, um, you know, um, our, our deep historical uh, behaviors and values and beliefs that we've had for a very long time. Um, so it hasn't been easy championing for this, but for us, I believe that every single day is just another day to prove how important gender equality is in our community, which is even why our slogan is hashtag we are the catalyst for change because you know we want to speed up change. We don't ask what we are trying to achieve is that we don't want gender equality to just be something that is being talked about, uh, just something people say to, you know, jump on the bandwagon of gender equality, or just something people say to uh, acquire votes in the community, or just something people say to appear cool or intellectual, but we want gender equality to be something that we're all working towards, something that we believe in, something that 
uh, we're intentional about and something that we're willing to champion outwardly because most people shy away from um, the issue of gender equality because they don't want to seem that they're going against their value, the values of the community or they're going against uh, the beliefs of the community. So our work in gender equality hasn't been easy, but it has been very worthwhile and it's something we have very intentional of pursuing until the end. Right, um, incredible work you're doing and, and the very fact that you you were not afraid to stand up and speak up whether um, there existed, uh, I, I don't wanna say laws, but taboos and, 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 and things that existed in a community that anybody could have said that they do not want to challenge that, but you decided to challenge that. And I think that is really, really inspiring and will inspire so many people. Um, now, even as we finalize this conversation, I want to know, um, do you have any parting shot for young people? Do you have something that you want to tell any young person that is doing something in their community, um, whether they're doing anything about women or they are doing something about education, really anything that they're doing, do you have any parting shot? Um, so for me, I'd like to say that, you know, um, as young people, most of the time we expect people to come from outside uh, to save us or people to come from outside and resolve and bring solutions that we need in our day-to-day -day lives. But I want to challenge every young person out there uh, to always remember that first and foremost, it's your responsibility to create a solution to the problem that you want a solution for. So um, take the power in your hands do it broke, do it with no money, do it with uh, zero skills, uh, do it with uh, no knowledge. What matters is that you're passionate about it and what matters is you're very intentional about bringing the change in your community. Um, always remember um, to be the change you want to see in the world because through you and through your actions, then other people are going to follow pursuit. So basically, I'm just encouraging everyone, every young person out there, um, if you're struggling with your organization, you're struggling with your initiative, struggling with whatever it is that you're working in, uh, just remember that success is just a step away, uh, but you have to work towards it. No one is going to come and take you to your success. So all the best. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Invest in yourself. Invest in your work and never give up.